Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. <laughs> Jesus 911. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. Hey, that phrase, uh, stay ready so you don't have to get ready, that will be uh, what Ruben Nava will be known for here in Virgin Most Powerful. Uh, even though he's no longer here, that was, that was one of his uh, signature statements. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And then what he meant by that is not only as a, as a retired L.A. deputy sheriff, but uh, he meant more than anything living in a state of grace. If you stay in a state of grace, you don't have to, you know, go and rush to get in a state of grace at the last minute if you're dying. Just kind of just always remain in friendship with God. That's what he meant. Hey, happy Holy New Year's to all of you. Paul, welcome to the show, my friend. Uh, you'll be on uh, with me twice a year this, uh, this 2023, so I'm sure uh, uh, people are going to be people are going to benefit a lot from that. Yeah, Jess, I hope I'm on a little more than twice a year. <laughs> I, is that what I said twice a year? Unbelievable. I had a, I had a Biden moment. Sorry about that. That's okay. But, uh, you know, I just want to say that uh, it's an honor to be here. Um, uh, Ruben left some big shoes to fill uh, on the Tuesday show. So uh, let's keep his family in our prayers. Um, and uh, again, he's, uh, He's uh, he's moving on uh, with some other things in his life, and uh, again, I'm I'm thankful for the opportunity. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Ruben will be missed, but he will not be forgotten. And uh, he said, no. uh, you know, whenever uh, that we need him, uh, you know, to fill in and stuff for for one of us is off, uh, he'll be more than happy to jump in. So uh, you'll still Wonderful. be hearing from Ruben every now and then. Hey, by the way, I just want to mention that today is the <clears throat> the feast day of the Holy Name of Jesus. I, I, what 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 a beautiful feast day in the Catholic Church! The holy name of Jesus. I mean, this is the name uh, above all names by which uh, no man will be saved apart from the name of Jesus Christ. It's the name which means God saves. Uh, it's it's the perfect prayer. I mean, when you're uh, Jesus, have mercy. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, uh, be with me. Anything that you attach to that holy name of Jesus is a powerful prayer, and yes. uh, it, it, yeah, it, it just it the name of Jesus should just be Paul like honey on our lips. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Jess. Um, Jess, can you tell us a little bit about the the Holy Name Society? Yeah, Paul. That's that's actually a old school Catholicism. Uh, oh, <clears throat> yeah. It's it's uh, my, a lot got, of you got my attention. <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah the uh, holy I, I, yeah my understanding. Go ahead. My understand my understanding, Jess, is um it's basically you know you make commitments that listen uh, that you protect the name of our Lord, you know, and yes. so like yes. if somebody were out there, uh you know and, and you know referring to our Lord in in any kind of derogatory way, hey. You have a commitment to, to go and confront that person to just protect the name of our Lord. I like that idea. Yeah. You know, now, don't get me wrong. In 2023, obviously, it may cause some controversy, but that's exactly, you know, what we are. We, we like Jesus, we are um, in this world. We don't quite fit. And uh, we have to take a stand for the truth, no matter, you know, where that leads us. Yeah, this it's uh 
It's a confraternity of of, uh, of, yeah. of Catholic adults, mostly yeah. men. I've seen in these confraternities. It's obviously yes. it's run by lay people. Uh, it started, I think, like back in the 15th century. Uh, yeah. And and uh, I, I also I think know it's that. All men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe it's all men. All the parishes mm-hmm. that I've seen, it's all men that are part of the Holy Name Society. And yeah. I know that they initially, when they were started back in the 15th century, they were under the the, the order. They were under the care of the Dominicans. But like you said, Paul, it's it's just a, a confraternity of, of Catholic men in the parishes yes. that are 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 basically have taken, you know, a vow to protect the holy name of Jesus. And that means, Amen. you know, when you hear people using his name in vain, violating the second commandment, we speak up and say something. So yeah, thanks I would for bring, that. bringing that up, Paul. Yeah, well, it, it, it to... is resurrecting. It is resurrecting in a lot yes. of parishes. Yes. I, 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 I am seeing a comeback again. That's yeah. a, that's one of the traditions that is coming back into the Catholic Church, and I'm glad to see that. Yes, one of the great traditions. And, you know, who who doesn't want, hey, let me tell you something, no matter how it ends, who doesn't want to, you know, go on record defending the holy name of the Lord, Jess? Wow. <laughs> yeah, what a, way, what a way to live and what a way to die. <clears throat> Paul, will all of us know that uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict died uh, at the age of 95? He died last week. Yep. Uh, he... Uh, he was living in the Vatican uh, at, at Mater Ecclesia Monastery in the Vatican Gardens. He resigned back in February 28, 2013. He was, uh, he, he was one of three children. Him and his brother became Catholic priests. He has a daughter, uh, I mean, a sister named Maria. And interestingly enough, his parents, I, uh, I've read that his parents uh, were called uh, Joseph and Mary. Let me look here. I think, yeah, I think his parents were called Joseph and Mary coincidentally wow. so uh of the two boys that they had bo- both of them became catholic priests so uh, let, let's uh what else do we know about him well following the death of john paul ii on april 2nd 2005 cardinal ratzinger offered the funeral mass for the late pontiff in his capacity as a dean of the college of cardinals he was soon elected as pope on just the second day of the conclave on april 19 2005 at the age of 78 and he took the name benedict the 16th and in his first Mass as Pope, he says something prophetically during the homily. He said this, quote, Pray for me that I may not flee for fear of the wolves. Close quote. He already saw, Paul, that there were some bad characters and that the church had been infiltrated at very high levels already when he became Pope. He already knew that. And so he said that in his first homily. Yeah, what a, what, what a, what a declaration, Jess. Pray for me. Wow. Uh, and the wolves are out, Jess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are, Paul. The, the, the wolves are guarding the hen house. Uh, something interesting is less than one month later, with, a, after being Pope on May 13, 2005, he waived the customary five-year waiting period outlined in canon law and announced the beginning of the beatification process for his predecessor, John Paul II. Uh, he canonized over 40 saints during his pontificate. So in other words, he fast-tracked uh, the canonization process uh, I I I, I kind of like the fact that you wait several years before you begin the, the canonization process. Uh, I think it's I, I don't think anything should be fast tracked in the Catholic Church. That's just my opinion. Uh, during his eight years as Pope, he wrote three encyclicals, uh, and they were all basically on the three, the three theological virtues: faith, hope, and charity. He also wrote thirteen motu propios, sixty-eight apostolic letters. Yeah, he wrote a lot. He created 90 cardinals and five consistories, made 25 official trips outside of Italy. Uh, in two documents released back in 2007 and 2013, again, he modified the rules governing the papal conclave, which had been somewhat eased by his predecessor, 
he restored, this is a good thing that he did, he restored the, ne- the necessary majority of two-thirds of the papal electors and declaring excommunication the automatic punishment for breaking the oath of secrecy during a conclave. By but, the way, just... Yes, uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm just wondering, how do you enforce something like that? <clears throat> it's got to be on the honor system. And again, if you, and you, if you have you know, a couple of men that are dishonorable, it's going to be impossible to enforce. And I'll, and I'll tell you why I know this, because Cardinal McCarrick, uh, you know, disgraced Cardinal McCarrick, the sexual predator, he's on YouTube. He's, uh, he, he's actually said, you can look this up you, you, you know, on YouTube. He's, the recordings are there. He's actually said that uh, he had something to do with uh, the conclave, with, with, with getting the Archbishop from Buenos Aires, Argentina, Mario Bergoglio, now Pope Francis, that he had something to do with his election. Uh, he was talking to people, cardinals from third world countries, and uh, he admits that he was uh, uh, that that he had something to do with uh, engineering the elections. This is something that he's at uh, uh, Cardinal McCarrick has admitted on his own. It's on YouTube. I'll, I'll try to pull up some of the videos, uh, but he's giving lectures at different colleges saying this, kind of bragging yeah. about the fact that he was able to orchestrate uh, uh, the votes for the last conclave. But Paul, let's talk about some of the highlights of. Pope Benedict's career as a cardinal and as a pope. Uh, what, what can you tell us about his pro-life stance? Well, well. Okay, I'm trying to pull up the article. Okay, his pro-life stance. Throughout his pontificate, Benedict made a number of statements opposing abortion, which built upon his legacy as prefect of the CDF to prevent pro-abortion politicians from receiving Holy Communion. Jess, right there. Huge. He was very. He was very clear about that. Yes, yes. To prevent pro-abortion politicians from receiving Holy Communion, Um, at the very outset of his pontificate, Benedict stated, in reference to abortion, that a pope cannot proclaim his own ideas, but rather consist, uh, but rather constantly by himself and the Church to obedience to God's word. In the face of every attempt to adapt it or water it down in every form of opportunism, this adherence to divine law was shown by John Paul II, said Benedict, in his own defense of the unborn. In his 2009 encyclical, Caritas in Veritate, Benedict wrote, If there is a lack of respect for the right to life, and to a natural death, if human conception, gestation, and birth are made artificial, if human embryos are sacrificed to research, the conscience of society ends up losing the concept of human ecology, and along with it, that of environmental ecology. Wow. You saw a connection there, Jess. Yeah, he sure did. Yeah, condemning the anti-birth mentality, he wrote that openness to life at the center is at the center of true development. You're listening to Jesus 911. We're going, we're kind of going through some of the highlights of Pope Benedict's uh, pontificate, and also as cardinal, some of the themes that that uh, will define his pontificate until the end of time. We'll be right back. Now. Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, 
Dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two-man call. We're talking about the pontificate of now deceased Pope Benedict XVI. And the the legacy that he's left, I mean, both good and bad. Everybody leaves, uh, you know, none of us, uh, you know, all of us are uh, here on planet Earth. Those of us that follow Christ, we are saints whose halo is still being sandblasted. (laughs) Good. So again, great point, Jess. Right. It's being Um, sandblasted. We're not we're not perfect yet. And so, you know, all of us make missteps. But yeah. uh, so but we're pointing out some of the good things he's done. Some there, there, will there be some bad things? I'm sure the article will point some out. Yeah. It says this, Paul, prior to ascending to the papal throne in 2004, Ratzinger intervened in a debate among the U.S. bishops on the issue of communion for pro-abortion Catholic politicians. He said in his letter titled, quote, worthiness to receive Holy Communion, close quote, that a Catholic politician who would vote for permissive abortion and euthanasia laws after being duly instructed and warned must be denied communion. So one thing I have to say about him, about Pope Benedict, yes. he was very strong on this on the issue of of uh, the pro life issue and on on uh, not being able to receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ if you were a pro abort Catholic. Uh, he was he was uh, uh, doggedly determined and wrote about this and spoke about this anytime the opportunity presented. And, Paul, what was and that, that was one of the yeah just that was one of the great things that that he did and i'll tell you you know there's so much pressure on our bishops worldwide to just conform and to give in yeah. to you know the the Spirit common the political view <laughs> yeah the zeitgeist uh, of the time uh, now you would think that you know oh yeah, we're the church. It doesn't work like that. But no, it does work that way. <clears throat> but in order, you know, when you get a uh, a man like Benedict the Sixteenth, who strongly voiced his opinion in those areas, uh, it's just uh, 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 many bishops need to follow his lead today yes, and being strong in these things because uh, uh, he was right on point. He was right on the mark on those issues. Yeah, he was right on. He, he was right on point. Also, very strong on the issue of homosexuality, Paul. If you want to share oh. his position on that, yeah, his stance uh, on homosexuality. Yeah, and by the way, this is this is Pope Benedict XVI's stance, not 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 Paul Clay's, not just Romero's. So let's right. let's read it here. Yeah. While he was prefect, the CDF issued its letter on the pastoral care of homosexual persons, noting that a homosexual inclination itself must be seen as an objective disorder. Therefore, special concern and pastoral attention should be directed toward those who have this condition, lest they be led to believe living out of this orientation and homosexual activity is a morally acceptable option, added Retzger. It is not this position, he echoed in later documents, and more notably during his 2012 Christmas address, uh, his Christmas address to the Roman Curia, when he appeared to denounce same-sex marriage and criticize those who dispute the idea that they have a nature given by their bodily identity that serves as a defining element of a human being. After his resignation, he issued an essay in which he explicitly spoke against homosexual cliques in seminaries which acted more or less 
openly and significantly change the climate in the seminaries. Jess, this is huge stuff right here, and this is, yeah. has been a problem in the church. So his statement, going back to his first statement, you know, pray that I, you know, that I don't flee the wolves. You think this stuff had anything to do with it? Absolutely. He knew about. He knew uh, that the church had been infiltrated at this point by a lot of homosexuals and yeah. Marxists and Masons. He, yeah. he was quite aware of this because yeah. he'd been in the Vatican for years, decades actually. And yeah. he knew he knew that this is uh, this was one of the final battles that the church would be fighting until the second coming of Christ. Yeah. And, uh, At, yeah. Yeah. And just two years after that, he he attacked the rise of same sex marriage, saying that in 16 European states of homosexual marriage has led to a deformation of conscience that extends beyond the secular realm, having penetrated deeply into the world of marriage in of the Catholic people. Wow. Again, he, he, his he finger was, was on the pulse. Yeah, on, on those topics that God calls an abomination in, in Scripture, Pope Benedict was, was a, a great defender of orthodoxy. Uh, and uh, he's, he'll, he'll be known for that. You have right now a lot of the, the mainstream media, a lot of the secular press, they call him they call him a hater that he oh he hated homosexuals. Nothing could be further from the truth. He loved them so much he was willing to tell them the truth. And yeah. uh, and again, but again, the mainstream media they they call the truth hate speech. And so right now, if anything right now you look in uh, the mainstream media in reference to Pope Benedict, uh, they'll say oh uh, good riddance that he's gone. He hated uh, he hated people that are. Uh, that are, are are into the reproductive rights, and he hated homosexuals. Again, this uh, talk about smearing somebody. This is the farthest thing from the real Pope Benedict, who loved God more than anything else, oh, and loved yes. and loved people enough to yes. tell people the truth so that their soul could be saved. Oh, absolutely. And just listen, the Catholic Church isn't a democracy. No. You know. Uh, this is the church. This is the mystical body of Christ established by our Lord himself. And God is immutable. He does not change. And so his truth is immutable. And so when God created man, male and female, and he blessed them and he said, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth. And he sanctified marriage. Uh, it doesn't go beyond that. And man tries to go beyond that. And man tries to speculate uh, you know, uh, you know, it, 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 you know, whatever vain um, uh, imaginations that he has and and tries to, you know, impose uh, his view into society. Well, that's the beginning of the end of society. That's right. Yeah. Uh, let, let, let's move down to the article where it talks about the Regensburg Address, because this is something else as he's going to be known for. He's going to be known as the Pope of Moral Clarity and because at this Regensburg address, they uh, again, this this whole push by the zeitgeist, by our culture is moral relativism. And he was very strong in denouncing this. So in the Regensburg address, this is early in his pontificate. The new pope made uh, Pope Benedict made international headlines for his for his September 12, 2006 address at the University of Regensburg, an address which enraged Muslims. And prompted death death threats against the Pope. In fact, they had mm. they had to es they had to escort him out of there because they wanted to attack him. And there were several mm. places where Muslims wanted to attack him because here's what he did in this uh, in this papal address that he gave 
at Regensburg. It's in Germany. It's a college, university in Germany. He quoted <clears throat> from a from a Byzantine emperor, a Catholic Byzantine emperor, who had negatively described Muhammad, saying, "Quote: Show me just what Muhammad bought, brought that was new, and there you will find things only evil and inhuman, such as his command to spread by the sword the faith he preached." Close quote. That that quote that he gave set on an international firestorm. Of course, the press was ginning it up, saying, Pope Benedict hates Muslims. There was international widespread media controversy and particularly mm-hmm. outrage from Muslims. And, uh, you know, they, they, there was death threats against them, numerous death threats. They had to, you know, have like 24-hour security around him because Muslims wanted to kill him because the media was embellishing it. Saying the yes. Pope hates Muslims. All he did, look at what he did. He's giving a talk on moral relativism at Regensburg, basically saying that that as followers of Christ, we have a moral compass, a moral boundaries that we have to follow. And then he gave a, a he gave an example of a Byzantine emperor who described Muhammad. This is like a thousand years ago. And he quoted what this Byzantine Catholic emperor said, quote, show me just what Muhammad brought that was new, and there you'll find things only evil and inhuman, such as his command is spread by the sword, the faith he preached. That's an absolutely true statement. Yeah. But uh, but the, 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 the press went crazy, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. As usual, the press, and I blame the press for a lot of the dysfunction going on right here in the good old USA, Jess, yeah. because the press constantly, they, you know, they, you know, they, they find these disenfranchised, you know, uh, people and groups and things, and they constantly plant these ideas and they, uh, they literally are indoctrinating uh, our culture, you know, in, in, in things that you true. So, so, so this quote here that the Pope uh, quotes and I'm sorry, Jess. I mean, it's and, a factual you know, quote. It's a factual yeah, a, quote. Yes, yes, it's a factual quote. And uh, why do we need to run from the facts? Uh, we're talking about uh, uh, Jesus says in the Bible. Uh, you know, it says, "You will know them by their fruits." Okay, that's all it is. This it, it, the same idea. You'll know them by their fruits. What are the fruits? Well, uh, you know, in in the sixth century. Uh, you know, when Islam, uh, you know, came into being, um, there was a lot of bloodshed. Uh, and wherever they went, it was convert or die. Was that not the case or was that not the case, Jess? Absolutely. Every historian, every single historian uh, documents this. This is well documented that Islam has bloody borders. Every country, yeah. Paul, that they've taken over, they've taken yeah. over through the sword, not through dialogue, not through evangelization, yeah. Yeah. not through retreats, through the sword. And so, uh, again, Jesus Christ has told us, our Lord and Savior, those who live by the sword die by the sword. And, uh, and, and, the, and a, a few days later, because there's so much international outrage, uh, Catholic churches are getting attacked. The Pope basically backed off from that statement, Pope Benedict he said, oh, the, the, the words that I quoted do not in any way express my personal thought. Now, here's my take. What, this pope was an intellectual giant, but he did lack courage. And I, I say that as somebody who really loved him. 
as somebody mm-hmm. who really admired him. Yeah. But again, he should not have backed away from that quote. He should have not have said, he should have just left it, left it there in the, he should not have said this. Of course it expresses his personal thoughts. That's why he quoted it. He's a yeah. scholar. He but, knows what he's doing. He yeah. quoted it because it's, it's, he knows the history of Islam. It expresses yeah. exactly what he believes, but he backed away from that thought, you know, a few days later. Yeah. Again, again, fortitude is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Just because you're a pope doesn't mean you're going to have fortitude 24 hours, seven days a week. You know, Jess, I remember, you know, uh, years ago, you telling me, you know, he was one of the smartest guys on planet Earth. Uh, yeah. Pope Benedict yeah. the 16th. He's got four and, uh, PhDs. Four yeah, PhDs. And yeah, and I'm glad you pointed it out. Uh, you know, uh, the issue was that lack of courage, and that's not, you know, you know, to you know, be demeaning in any way. Because no. uh, uh, number one, uh, you know, when tested, we all need, uh, you know, uh, to rely on God. You know, absolutely. us. Yeah. All of us have had lack episodes of lack of courage. That's why we yes. go to con- that's why we go to confession. It's called the sacrament of confession. We'll be right back. Stick around. Yeah. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue talking about this great pope. Yeah. Now, back to Jesus nine one one. If this call is not an emergency, dial eight eight eight. Five two six two one five one. Jesus nine one one. Lord, come to our assistance. Lord, make haste to help us. I want to pray for Pope Benedict the sixteenth right now, real quick, before we continue talking about his legacy. I still believe, again, despite what I, uh, I think that, just like all of us, that's why we go to confession. And all of us, oftentimes, there's instances where we lack courage as as followers of Christ in different instances of our life, and we got to confess that. Uh, I still think he was one of the greatest popes of my lifetime. And so we pray in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Eternal rest granted to Pope Benedict XVI, O Lord, and let your perpetual light shine upon him. May the soul of Pope Benedict XVI, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Mm-hmm. Paul, uh, prophetically, he, 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 he knew himself. Aristotle said that it's... it's uh, he was very famous for telling men specifically, know thyself. What that means, you know, for example, I'm not six foot 11. I'm not going to ever be playing in the NBA, nor, not even when I was young. I'm not six foot seven. Or, you got to know thyself. And so it would have been pointless for me to try to become the best basketball player I can. You know, at five nine, I'm not going to go anywhere uh, <laughs> be, because I know myself. And, yeah. and, and, and Pope Benedict, he also knew himself. The man had four earned PhDs. The man wrote f- over 40 books. The man wrote academic journals on scripture. In fact, Scott Hahn says it was Pope Benedict's academic writings on scripture that brought this young Presbyterian minister into the Catholic faith. And Scott Hahn has brought in hundreds, if not thousands, of, of Protestant ministers Amen. and Protestants in general into the Catholic mm-hmm. faith. Why? Because of Cardinal Ratzinger's intellectual uh, acumen and his hermeneutic on scripture. So again, God gave him certain gifts, but he knew that one of them was encouraged because he even said so right at the beginning of his pontificate. Prophetic. Prophetic. Yes. He said, pray for me so that I can, uh, what was the quote, Paul? Uh, About fearing the wolves. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. but I don't, yeah. Yeah. Again, he, yeah, uh, 
again, uh, he's a man who knew, you know, where his weaknesses were and he asked for prayer, just maybe, exactly. you know, and, and that's why it's important for us, you know, to just emphasize how much we need to pray for those in leadership, pray for our, our, our Pope, pray for our priests, because um, uh, uh, the prayer does make a difference. Yes, amen. And, uh, and, and prayer, uh, once again, it's... Uh, it's something that St. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and following. He says that pray for those in leadership, political yeah. leaders, religious leaders. This is, this is in other words, we're, we're supposed, Paul, our prayer provides like a firewall uh, for, for, for these people in leadership. Yeah, firewall from the evil one, fire, firewall from the zeitgeist, the, the spirit of this age. And even yeah. a firewall, Paul, from their from their their own disordered appetites, their own concupiscence that they wrestle with. But let's move on now, Paul. We can talk about Pope Benedict is going to be known, especially for those people that are, are devoted to the Latin Mass. Oh yeah, it, 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 he resurrected the Latin Mass with his document Amen. Sumorum Pontificum. If you can share yeah. the article on that section, yes, July seventh, two thousand and seven, he issued his motu proprio Sumorum. Pontificum, outlining and reestablishing the legal right of the traditional Latin Mass. Amen. Just amen, I say. Again, I say amen on this. Uh, <laughs> writing that the traditional Mass was never uh, juridically uh, abrogated and co consequently, in principle, was always permitted. He described the Novus Ordo Mass as the normal or ordinary form of the Roman Rite and the Latin Mass, the extraordinary form, saying that they can be mutually enriching. And, just, and, and I happen to agree with that statement. They can be, and they should be. Uh, yes, absolutely. I agree, Paul. Up, oh, Paul got cut off. And so we'll continue. The article says, Pope Benedict's accompanying letter to the motu proprio. By the way, motu proprio means written by my own authority. That's what motu proprio means. When a pope writes by his own authority. That's what that phrase means. His accompanying letter, this is Pope Benedict, to the motu proprio, contained the line which has since been made famous by devotees of the traditional mass. What earlier generations held as sacred remains sacred and great for us too. And it cannot be all of a sudden entirely forbidden or even considered harmful. Close quote. The document was uh, warmly received by newly em emboldened devotees of the traditional mass and led to a large increase in Latin masses being offered around the world. <clears throat> in other words, what Pope Benedict just said there, if the Latin mass that's been around since the 4th or 5th century, almost about 1,500, going on 1,600 years. If it was sacred for all those centuries, then it should also remain sacred for us, and it should not be forbidden to us in the 20 and 21st century. That's essentially what he said. If this was the mass of the ages, and if it was always been regarded as sacred by all the popes, then it should not be forbidden to us in the 20 and 21st century, and it, it, nor should it, it, nor should it even be considered harmful. It remains sacred for us. That's what he's saying. So he was a great defender of the Latin Mass. And uh, uh, something happened with my partner Paul. I'm sure he's trying to get back on. But we'll continue. 
uh, Pope Francis, he he restricted the traditional Latin mass. That's only I mean, yeah. Uh, and he restricted it with the with the document that he came out with Traditionis Custodis. And he said that the 52 year old Novus Ordo Mass is the unique expression of the church's liturgy. Again, what Pope Benedict said, I think is a perfect way to handle the new mass and the old mass is uh, that, that, that the old mass that both rites, both Roman rites, both forms, the ordinary and the extraordinary form of the Roman rite can be mutually enriching one to another. And so now we move on. However, the motu proprio became the target of Pope Francis's 2021 motu proprio, Traditionis Custodis, which both contradicted and abrogated Sumorum Pontificum. To me, this was something that hurt me as a lay Catholic to see one Pope abrogate the writings of a previous Pope that was still alive. To me, that was the height of disrespect that one, the President Holy Father would abrogate the writings of Pope, uh, Pope Benedict while he was still alive and basically abrogated what all the popes have taught and believed since the Latin Mass was started in the 4th and 5th century. Now let's talk a little bit about his relations with the SSPX and the Anglican Ordinariate. Paul, are you there? Richard, let me know when Paul's back on. So, two years later in 2009, Pope Benedict XVI announced the revoking of the excommunications on the bishops consecrated by Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre of the Society of St. Pius X. In fact, you know what? I'm going to wait till Paul comes on because he, he wants to do that one with me. So I'm going to move on to where it says, Legionnaires of Christ and Father Maciel. This was another great thing that Pope Benedict XVI did. Pope Benedict, when he became the Pope, took action against the pedophile founder of the Legionnaires of Christ, Father Marcel Maciel, culminating with the Pope posthumously condemning Maciel in 2010. Despite being the head of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, Ratzinger was reportedly prevented from investigating Maciel in 1999 due to pressure from the Vatican Secretary of State, Cardinal Angelo Sedano. When Maciel, the founder of the Legionnaires of Christ, was honored by John Paul II in 2004, as the Pope appeared deaf to sex abuse allegations about Father Maciel, Cardinal Ratzinger then took it upon himself to authorize an investigation of Father Maciel. Upon becoming Pope himself, Ratzinger, now Pope Benedict, via the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith in 2006, ordered Maciel into a reserved life of prayer and penance, renouncing every public ministry, but did not impose stricter penalties. Father Maciel was later revealed to have been a a serial abuser and to have led a gravely scandalous double life fathering several children by different women and abusing boys and seminarians throughout his long clerical career. Mm. Father Maciel died in 2008 and two years later the Vatican released a report into the legionaries stating Maciel performed very grave and, and objectively immoral actions which in some cases constitute real crimes and manifest a life of devoid of scruples and authentic religious meaning. 
The organization, due to Maciel's influence, required a process of profound reevaluation, wrote the Vatican. And while Pope Benedict received criticism from the mainstream media for what they described as inaction on priests accused of sexual abuse, the media subsequently discovered that a significant number of clerics had been laicized during his pontificate. So, look at this. Most people don't know, realize this. Some 384 Catholic priests were removed from ministry by Pope Benedict between 2011 and 2012 alone, a number higher than previous years due to changes in canon law to make such penalties easier to enact. So I will mm-hmm. say this is one of his one of his the stars on his crown is that he saw that Father Maciel, the founder of the Legionaries of Christ, was a sexual predator. He tried to talk to his boss, Pope John Paul II. Pope John Paul II, again, he just he he just could not believe that his you know one of his closest friends, his priest friends, would be a sexual predator, and he basically uh, did not allow Cardinal Ratzinger to you know to to investigate Father Maciel. Well, Cardinal mm-hmm. Ratzinger. You know, when it basically went against the boss after a given point in time, and he took it upon himself to authorize his own investigation as as the head of the prefect of the congregation for the doctrine of the faith. And they discovered that Father Maciel, in fact, was a sexual predator. And Pope Benedict, along with 384 of their priests under his pontificate, he got rid of them. He laicized them. And so if there's somebody who tried to do something against the sexual predators of the Catholic Church, it was this Pope. May he rest in peace. Mm. On the next on the next segment, we want to talk about his relationship with the SSPX and the Anglican Ordinariate. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency... Dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, Lord, come to our assistance. Lord, make haste to help us. Psalm 69, verse 2. Paul is back. Uh, he had a little um, little technical difficulty. Uh, the power outage went out in his neck of the woods. Paul, we're talking about... Uh, f- this was a courageous thing that he did. He, uh, mm-hmm. he, he, he investigated one of the most powerful priests... You know, uh, 20 years ago, Father Maciel was a rock star in the Catholic Church. He was the founder of the Legionnaires of Christ. I mean, people almost want to canonize this guy as saint while he was alive. And uh, Cardinal Ratzinger did something very unpopular. He investigated the most... Po- in fact, he was one of the best... One of St. John Paul II's best friends. Yeah. John Paul II didn't want to believe that he was a predator. And so he just kind of spiked the investigation. Says, no, 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 leave him alone. He's a holy man. He's a holy man. Cardinal Ratzinger believed the data that was coming in that he was receiving. And there was an act of courage, supernatural courage, really Mm -hmm. to uh, to open up an investigation on this rock star priest, even against the the express wishes of Pope John Paul II, his boss. Yeah. And uh, and Jess... uh... You know, there's a saying, it's lonely at the top, right, in, in, in leadership. So I think that he progressed and, and, and eventually became Pope. He realized just how lonely it was up at the top. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. But, but, but I'll tell you, uh, again, I'm glad you pointed it out. This was an example of, of supernatural uh, grace that God yes. gave him in order to do what was necessary and to do the right thing. I mean, 
384 priests removed from ministry. Jess, that's a, a you know, that's I think we all, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's staggering. And, and but guess what? It's necessary as well because we all know, you know, that the formation of some of these priests out here and the and the incredible damage and the incredible scandal that they are causing, uh, you know, uh, to, you know, to the uh, the church at large, you know, especially the little ones. And so, um, yeah, uh, kudos to Pope Benedict the Sixteenth in in what he did at this mo- at that moment in time as as Cardinal Ratzinger. Yeah. Yes, yes. One yeah. of the things about Pope Benedict that we have to point out is that, admittedly, I mean, he admits this that when he was young, you know, when he was a young priest, Father Ratzinger, and he was a he was an expert at Vatican too. He sat there as a it's called a, a, a peritus. A peritus means a theological expert. He was a young priest, theological expert. He admits that he was part of the progressive wing of theologians. Mm. So I'm not yeah. I'm not saying this to cast aspersions. In his own writings, he says this. But yeah. uh, he, he, he had an awakening to orthodoxy shortly after the council, and he started realizing that, uh, that there were some modernists and some, and some uh, liberals that uh, did not have the church's best, uh, you know, they didn't have the church's best intentions. And so he kind of broke away from that group, and he started embracing orthodoxy. But, uh, but one of the things that he's also going to be known for, Paul, is uh, his relations with the SSPX and the Anglican Ordinariate, which affects Terry Barber, the, the headquarters there at VMPR, because Terry's chapel, the chapel, Sacred Heart Chapel, is, is uh, the priest that run that chapel, that provide uh, spiritual uh, sustenance to that chapel, is the Anglican Ordinariate. And, and these are converts, very educated converts from the Church of England, the Episcopalian Church, the Anglican Church, who by express permission, Pope Benedict issued an apostolic letter allowing their priests to come enter into the Catholic Church because these priests, again, are very highly trained and very well-formed. And so in 2009, Pope Benedict announced the revoking of the excommunications on the bishops consecrated by Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre of the Society of St. Pius X, SSPX, in 1988, because the excommunications, which were always hotly contested by the bishops, but the, the groundbreaking move altering decades-long relations between the SSPX and the Vatican was welcomed by the SSPX superiors, who then highlighted the need for talks to address the doctrinal issues between Rome and the society. And, uh, and, so, and also last year, that same year, Benedict also issued his apostolic constitution, Anglicanorum Setibus, which allowed for personal uh, ordinariates for Anglicans to enter the Catholic Church, and the document established the norms for members of both the Anglican laity and clergy to convert and then live as Catholics. And this resulted in an influx of converts to the Catholic Church with personal ordinariates being established in England, the U.S., and Australia. By 2019, members of the three ordinariates excessed in, 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 numbered in excess of 9,000 with nearly 200 priests and 94 parishes. Uh, and so, yeah, th- th- this is something else that Pope Benedict opened the doors, facilitated the conversations uh, with the SSPX, and, uh, and, and, and only rightly so, because if we have the present Pope, Pope Francis, who's calling you know, Muslims our brothers, 
Well, then even more so should we be calling uh, people from the SSPX who are baptized and received all the sacraments that we have and receive the Holy Eucharist, the same Jesus that we receive, with even more certainty should we be calling them our brothers as well if, if, if people are going to dare call uh, uh, Muslims or brothers. Yeah, well, and just the other thing I have to say is name one thing that is not Catholic that the SSPX does, you know. <laughs> Everything they, pray, they do. They pray, for the, they pray for the current Pope every day at Mass. Exactly. Uh, again, you know, there's a lot of people that say a lot of things, but uh, I was just looking just to a little clip from uh, 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 Bishop Schneider, uh, you know, as he uh, spoke on the issue. and He, he, knows more about, he, he knows more about this topic than anybody else yes. in the world, by the way, because he was commissioned yes, he by does. the Vatican to investigate this for years. Yes, he does. And, and, and he was the representative from the Vatican, and he says, yes, and I'll say it loud, uh, the Society of Pope Pius X is not in schism. Also, Archbishop uh, Carlo Maria Vigano says the same thing. And then when you have Pope Francis... Uh, you know, uh, basically uh, 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 giving them faculties, uh, that sh it's a slam dunk, Jess. Pius X, you know, there, there's some issues that need ironing out, of course, but nonetheless, they like are in all families. Like, like in all in families. All families. Absolutely. Right, like but, so I don't know why this, this, this current of people, you know, and people that I love and respect, by the way, that, that you know, that want to put them in, in the schism uh, category, Jess. I, I don't get that. Yeah, Paula, they, I know I know that even Pope Francis has, has allowed the SSPX priest to hear confessions. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I, Jess Romero, can go to an SSPX priest for confession and be forgiven. Uh, they can do baptisms. Uh, right. they, they help out in the diocesan tribunals with annulments alongside yes. with, you know, the, with the, the diocesan priests. And they're also allowed to, uh, to say uh, wedding masses and to do weddings. Yeah. And so uh, again, it's uh, it's a very strange situation. I don't, it's, it's above my pay grade. I just can't wait till they are completely entirely regularized and normalized so that people that have a microphone aren't uh aren't berating them and uh, yes. i just uh, i just wish there would be co complete complete closure to this case and it can it can happen just by the, who knows even maybe this pope may even do it it's he's so close to already uh regularizing again this is a family feud and stuff and so uh as, as far as i'm concerned every time i see somebody that goes to one of those parishes the sspx absolutely they're my brother in christ and in fact uh, there's a whole lot I can learn from them because a lot of them have a lot more zeal and faith and, and courage than I have. And so I look, I, I, again, uh, to me, no skin off my nose to call them my brothers in Christ. Well, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's look at, uh, at the early career of, uh, of, jo of uh, Cardinal Ratzinger. <clears throat> I'll go right to... Yeah, the, the third paragraph, it says, while the liberal media attempt to portray Ratzinger as a Nazi sympathizer when reporting on him later in life, his father was actually a bitter en enemy of Nazism because he believed it was in conflict with our Catholic faith, recalled Joseph's brother, George, who was also a Catholic priest, who just passed away also. 
Joseph Ratzinger entered seminary, minor seminary in 1939, but was forcefully, get that, forcefully drafted into Hitler's youth and German, German armed forces during the Second World War, but he deserted. He deserted them. And he, he restarted his seminary training after the war in 1946, and it was ordained in June 1951, along with his brother George. So when people say, ah, Cardinal Ratzinger, he was a Nazi. No, he wasn't. He couldn't stand the, the Nazis. Uh, and in fact, the, the, first, uh, the first opportunity that he had, uh, he went AWOL. He, went, uh, he left, he left uh, and deserted the German army. He, he was all about Jesus Christ. He wasn't about Adolf Hitler. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's a smear on him, Paul. That's baseless and absolutely false. Absolutely. Um, again, when you have tyrannical government that, uh, you know, uh, such as communist governments and so forth, that force certain people to do certain things, especially a child, uh, there's no, uh, 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 you know, there's nothing uh, negative on, on behalf of uh Pope Benedict XVI, Jess, that's, that's just, uh, you know, uh, it was probably, uh, you know, again, a child, uh, he, he, he has no choice. Being uh, forced to be drafted. <laughs> They're yeah, forced. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. a forced draft. It's not a volunteer army. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a difficult thing, but uh, it's, it's yeah. amazing that, 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 you know, that God would pull him out of all of that and raise him up to the level of, of, of Pope. Yeah. And so the, yeah, the first opportunity he had, he was, he, he, he left, he was out of the Dodge. <laughs> also, there's a lot of things we can say about in, in my opinion, Paul, in my lifetime, yeah. I'm 61 years old. He was one of the great popes of my lifetime. Moral clarity. Yeah. We'll know him as the Pope of moral clarity. He's a Pope yeah. that resurrected the Latin mass. Uh, yeah. uh, he, he's a Pope that, uh, was strong on the issues that God calls an abomination, homosexuality and abortion. Uh, he was a biblical scholar. His writings affected a young Presbyterian called Dr. Scott Hahn, who's brought in thousands of people back to the Catholic Church. Yeah, uh, yeah. I got a so, question for you. Yeah. It says we're on the subject of the Latin Mass, Samorum Pontificum versus Traditionis Custodis. Uh, how do we uh, bring those together, Jess? Uh we're going to have to talk about that next time. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to talk about that next time. Again, because uh, one contradicts the other. And uh, again, uh, that's uh, for a longer discussion. You've been listening to Jesus 911. Jess Romero, Paul Clay, Happy Holy New Year's. Uh, and today's also a happy feast day of the holy name of Jesus. Uh, say a prayer. Say a rosary for Pope Benedict. And just uh, let's pray for Holy Mother Church that God gives us somebody else like him in the future. God bless you. Keep the faith.